This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for May 4th, 2018. This episode is brought to you by SellYourMac.com. SellYourMac.com will give you cash for your used Apple computers and devices. And keep listening for an extra special offer for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. In this week's episode, we've got some of the best tips for spring cleaning your Mac, from trashing old downloads to clearing out duplicate files and cache folders. Plus, Microsoft recently issued a warning about tech support scams. But Mac users should also be aware of this common scamming technique. We'll tell you what to watch out for. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. We talk a lot about security on this podcast, and we talk a lot about malware and backups, internet security. We talk a lot about hardware security, and we talk about the software security that is with the apps that you use, the files you get. But there's another type of software security that's really important. It's that software in between your ears. <laughs> yeah, the human brain and how easy it is to be hacked. Well, how easy it is to be tricked, to be conned. It, it's We call this social engineering. Uh-huh. And the example that I want to use here is what's known as a tech support scam. There'll be an article on the Intego blog about this. Microsoft published an article about a week ago talking about this. Social engineering attacks like tech support scams are so common because they're so effective. This is the thing when you get a call from someone, usually in India. Hello, my name is Jonathan. I am calling from Microsoft Tech Support. Sorry, any Indian people that I've massacred the accent. And basically, they tell you that there is a problem with their computer and they want to help you fix it. And in order to do this, they're going to slowly walk you through a script where they're tricking you to get more and more information. And some of that information will be to access your Microsoft account because you can use a Microsoft account to log into Windows 10. You don't have to have an actual username and password. You can use that account the same way you can log in with your Apple ID to a Mac. And they'll get that information and eventually they'll try to get access to your computer remotely so they can take your files, perhaps install ransomware, and then start scamming you saying, okay, now you got to pay up. Yeah, and, and this is definitely not a Microsoft exclusive problem. This has been happening on Mac. It's been happening on iOS and Android. Even, even mobile platforms too are, are affected by this. And this is something that I've, I've actually encountered. And you know me, I, I use ad blockers. I'm very careful about where I go on the internet. I'm a paranoid guy and I still sometimes come across tech support scam sites. Uh, sometimes, uh, for example, I'll be looking for an image for an article that I'm writing and, you know, I click on the download link knowing that it's, you know, it's, it's not just an advertisement on the side and, you know, depending on the site, sometimes they will do things like pop up something in the background in a background tab. And it, and sometimes those are tech support scams. They might even look like, you know, they might use an official Apple logo and things like that. Um, we'll have a, a link in the show notes to a screenshot that I took about a year ago of one of these. It has a big giant Apple logo. It says, you know, Apple Inc. below it. And there's a dialogue box that tells you, oh, you know, your computer's infected and you need to call this number for technical support. And it's 
what they usually show. And just like fishing, it's very easy to design these dialogues and these pages to make them look realistic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if somebody wanted to, they could replicate exactly what you see on apple.com and then just insert their own little things to, to, uh, to make it look even more legitimate. Most of the time they don't go to that trouble, but they don't necessarily need to in order to trick people because when they're scaring you, a lot of times people pay attention to the thing that they're being scared with and not necessarily all the other elements of the page. So the most insidious version of this, uh, you, you mentioned the kind on a website, and that's one kind, but the most insidious version is when someone calls. And I think what happens a lot is you get either elderly people or people who aren't particularly tech savvy that just kind of believe, well, I'm on my computer. It's connected to the Internet. Microsoft must know what's going on and there's something wrong. You have to understand that Microsoft or Apple or, or Adobe or whoever will never call you like that. They may send you an email, and of course you have to be careful it's not a phishing email, but they'll never call you. If your bank ever calls you like that, you know the first thing to do is hang up and call back your bank on the normal number and say, I just got a call and I want to confirm whatever you need to talk to me about. Microsoft in this article says that in 2017, they received 153,000 reports from customers who encountered or fell victim to tech support scams, a 24% growth from the previous year. What I find interesting is that that means that only a tiny fraction of people actually report these things. Many of them probably don't even realize that something's happened because 153,000, I, I think one call center in Bangalore could make that many calls in a day. Yeah, that's absolutely possible. You know what? In fact, Apple support deals with these things too. They actually have a page on their site, you know, how to avoid phishing emails. And, and they've got a couple of email addresses that, that you can report phishing or other scams and spam to. You can forward a phishing email to them at reportphishing at apple.com. And you can also report spam and other things like that to abuse at icloud.com. If, if you think someone's abusing an iCloud account. So the Microsoft article gives an interesting flowchart. So the first step is to establish a phone call, and that's basically to get someone to answer the phone. Either they've called through after what they've seen on a website, or they're cold calling you. The second is to install remote administration tools, or what we call rats. rats. We've talked about rats before. Then they identify fake threats on the victim's device. There's a way to do this on the Mac to make people really worried, isn't there? One of the things that these scammers do whether it's, you know, on Windows or Mac, you know, the once they find out what type of system you have, like perhaps they'll call you up and they'll say, I know your Windows computer is infected. And then you go, oh, I don't have Windows. And they and they go, oh, my mistake, it's a Mac. And so then they'll walk you through the process of, of you know, pulling up your console app and it'll show you logs from all the different applications that you ever use on your Mac. And it'll show you warnings and, you know, these can look scary to somebody who's never looked at their console before. These are just really common errors that happen in the background all the time that are not really a big deal. But they'll trick you into thinking that these are really serious problems and that they show evidence that your computer is being hacked or things like that. One of the, the, the tricky things about console is, you know how whenever... A local news channel was talking about computer hacking. They do that thing like the, the matrix with the green text falling down. Well, if you open console, it almost looks like that because it goes so fast that all these different apps are posting stuff. And you see this 
scrolling constantly. And every once in a while, you see a little yellow or, or red dot next to something because it's an error. I'm looking at mine now, and I couldn't even read one of them. It's going so fast. You actually have to pause it to be able to read it. So once they've done that, once they've convinced you that there is a threat or a problem, then they try to get you to buy fake tech support, and they take your money. Now, probably one of the most dangerous things is you might get scammed for 20 bucks for tech support today, but if they've installed a rat on your computer, they're going to keep accessing your computer in the future. And that's where you can get hit with ransomware. All sorts of you know, people can take your files. They can possibly access your camera and start taking pictures of you, record you and do all sorts of things. Right. And and if nothing else, they'll at least pop up additional messages on your computer. Once they've gotten in and installed something, now they can put up dialog boxes that say, oh, you need to call this phone number. So it may not even be you getting a cold call anymore or seeing a malicious, you know, uh, web page. Now you might actually be getting alerts directly on your system because of the first time that they got into your machine. And, and these are this is a long con for some of these people that mm -hmm. they'll plant something now and they'll wait six months to come back and then hit you for something more serious. It's worth noting that Apple has a system that they've been developing over the past couple of years. I don't know if you've seen this yet. They can remotely access your Mac. What they do is they send you an email with a link. You click the link, you go to a browser, you accept, and then it, it gives them remote access. Not only can they do that on the Mac, they can do that on an iOS device now. Interesting. So again, they send an email, you tap on the link, you accept, and they can watch your screen that way. Now, you have to understand that this is tech support. You know, back in the old days, you'd call tech support and they would say, okay, click on this, select that, and tell me what you see, right? And then <laughs> you've done tech support over the phone sure. with friends and family, right? You think they, they're not telling you what they're seeing. They're telling you something else, maybe even on a different computer, when you're looking at the screen, you can save so much time and obviously even manipulate things if you need to. So this is a totally legitimate way of doing it. And Apple's really good about this. They make it very clear in the emails, in the website, before they open up the connection. And, and I found in some problems I've had in the past year or so that it makes things so much quicker, even though I can always tell the tech support people exactly what I'm seeing because I know what I'm talking about. But I understand that for them, it's easier. Right. Absolutely. And of course, this is a potential attack vector too. I mean, if you if you know about this sort of thing, who's to say that, you know, someone's not going to pretend to be Apple and do something almost exactly like what Apple does? I haven't heard that this system has been cracked yet. I believe this has to have some very strong authentication with a certificate from Apple. Sure. Yeah. A Apple's official way of doing it. Absolutely. It, it would be difficult, I think, to to truly break that and and find a way to exploit that. But somebody could do something that's similar to that. Maybe not on iOS, but on Mac, for sure. There's lots of ways that you can remotely access somebody's Mac. Would you like a chance to win $100? This is serious. This isn't a scam. We've set up a survey, and we'd like you to answer some questions about the podcast, what you like about it, what you'd like us to talk about. There's a link in the show notes, and if you go there, it's only a few questions. It'll take a few minutes, and you'll be entered in a drawing to win $100. After the break, we're going to talk about spring cleaning. It's currently almost 90 degrees on the east coast of the United States, so that's springtime, isn't it? That's a good time to clean out your Mac. Your old Apple device is probably worth some money. But it can be a big hassle trying to resell your own equipment. SellYourMac.com makes it fast, safe, and easy to make money from your used Mac desktops and laptops, iPhones, and iPads. SellYourMac.com pays top dollar for your used Apple products. 
Come on, you've probably got some old gear you've been meaning to do something with. Are you going to just let it sit there and collect dust, or are you going to collect some cash? The best way to find out how much money you can make right now is to go to SellYourMac.com and enter your product's details. They'll give you an offer instantly. SellYourMac.com even provides you a free prepaid shipping label. Then all you have to do is send them the device. Once they receive it and processing begins, you'll quickly get a check in the mail or payment via PayPal. Tens of thousands of satisfied customers have made extra cash selling their used equipment to SellYourMac.com. And you should too. It's fast, it's safe, and it's easy. And here's a special offer. Go to SellYourMac.com slash Intego and you'll get a $10 bonus on items worth $25 or more. Go to SellYourMac.com slash Intego and start cashing in on your old Apple gear. SellYourMac.com slash Intego. So as I said before the break, it's something like 90 degrees on the East Coast. What's it like out there, Josh, in California? Yeah, it's been pretty hot here recently, too. Well, can we still call this spring? Spring started in March and goes through June. So is it fair? Hey, Siri, when is the first day of summer? Summer begins on June 21st and ends on September 21st. You didn't know that, Josh. No, not really. <laughs> Real? Oh, come on. You went to school. Didn't they teach things like that where you went to school? I don't know. It changes the day, changes every year. I don't I don't know. It's it's easier to just ask Siri. Oh, now you're getting lazy. <laughs> anyway, this is a good time to talk about the best Mac cleanup tips for digital spring cleaning. And you'll find an article with that exact title on the Mac security blog. You know, over the year, we accumulate a lot of stuff on our Macs and we download files and save them, and then we don't delete them. And, you know, there's so much stuff. And then we find that we need to free up disk space because your Mac says, well, there's not enough disk space. So the first step that I recommend to everyone is to get rid of big files. Now, you can do this by clicking on the Apple menu, selecting About This Mac, and then clicking on Storage. That's going to show you how much space there is on your hard drive or your SSD. And if you click manage, and you can do this for your boot drive, if you have multiple drives, you can't do this on the others, you'll get a dialogue that lets you choose how to manage large files, small files. There are four parts in it. One of them lets you store files in iCloud if you want. I don't particularly like that because my internet's not fast enough. The second one is called optimized storage. And what it does if you turn this on is it automatically removes movies and TV shows from iTunes once you've watched them. Now, again, if your bandwidth is slow, you might want to hold on to them. So you might not want to turn this on. But if you can quickly download something, watch it, and don't have to worry about deleting it, let iTunes do it automatically. The third one is to empty trash automatically. Now, when it says empty trash automatically, it doesn't mean you put something in the trash and it deletes it right away. It deletes things after 30 days. How often do you delete your trash, Josh? Oh, gosh. Um, not very often at all. <laughs> really? I probably do mine a few times a day. Yeah, I, I throw things in there, but just in case I might need it again sometime soon, I don't usually go through and empty the trash. See, that's why I wouldn't want it to happen too quickly. I've got so much space available on my drive. Ah, yeah. Well, see, if you have an SSD, then things are different. My new iMac has a 500 gigabyte SSD, so space... Even though my media files, my music collection and all that are on an external drive, you still want to make sure you have enough space because it, it's not enough to have some space left. You need room for the system to be comfortable. You need 5 or 10 gigabytes at a minimum for virtual memory files, log files, 
backups of your iOS devices, etc. And frankly, I would say you need 20 or 30 to be safe. But I don't, I, I don't like to keep things in the trash too long. I don't know. It just kind of bothers me. That they kind of rot or something. They're going to start smelling. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it certainly doesn't hurt to empty the trash. If, if you know that there's nothing in there that you're going to need to recover, and it's of course, it's not really a good habit to throw things away unless you're sure you're done with them anyway, then uh, yeah, it doesn't hurt to empty the trash. And, and I, this is really cool, by the way. I, I like this dialogue box. I've never actually encountered this before. I didn't know this was there. It started in Sierra. Yeah. So, But, but this is really fun. I, I like all these options that they've got to automatically clear out space on your Mac. So the fourth section is reduce clutter. And if you click on review files, you can look through files. And to me, one of the most useful things here is that you can sort them by size and you can find what your large files are. If you click the large files tab, it's going to show everything, I don't know, above 50 megabytes, I think. And if you find that you've got like a five gigabyte file or an installer or something that you don't need, it makes it really easy to get rid of it. You can also click on the downloads tab and this shows all of the stuff in your downloads folder, but you can really find that by going to your downloads folder, right? Yeah, if you know how to get there, which maybe not everybody knows how to, how to get there easily. And then there's a file browser, which shows all of the files in your user account in column view, and it shows the size of each folder. So for example, I just clicked it and it shows it as 80 gigabytes of files in my documents folder, 65 in my pictures folder, etc. And if you see a folder that has a lot of files, you can, you can drill down into that folder to find what big files there are and get rid of them to save space. So if you look in the left column of this dialogue, there are more options. You can look at iBooks to see if there are any big ones. You can re-download them iOS files, which would be the firmware and the software for your iOS devices and iPods. You can see some iTunes information, mail, messages, music creation. So that's GarageBand if you use it. You can see photos, and there's even a button that says Optimize Photo Library. What Optimize Photo Library does, and this should be careful about, is it doesn't keep all your originals on your Mac. I tend to consider that my Mac is the repository of all my original files. My photos are also in the cloud, so I can access them from my other Mac and my other devices. But if you optimize, it's going to delete all the originals and keep the originals in the cloud. And that's not a good idea. I want to have the originals on my Mac and back them up to an external drive from my Mac. So that's a good way to get rid of big files and save space. The second thing to clean up is the desktop. Yeah, you don't want to see what my desktop looks like, Kirk. Would you like to see what mine looks like? There is absolutely nothing on my desktop. Wow. I have never kept files on my desktop. I do on Windows because that's just the way Windows is, but I never do that on the Mac. I have a folder that I call New Stuff, which is in my Documents folder, and that's like my working folder. I keep files I've downloaded you ready for this? In the downloads folder. Uh -huh. I mean, the name itself gives you an idea of what it's for. I see absolutely no reason to save files on the desktop because it's such a mess. Yeah, most of the stuff that, I, that ends up on my desktop is screenshots, which I have to sort through every once in a while and put them in a special folder or rename the screenshot so I know why I took a screenshot. <laughs> so it doesn't just say screenshot with the date. Okay, I will find an article and I will put a link in the show notes for you, Josh, about how to change the location where screenshots are stored. I take a lot of screenshots for the articles I write and they go into the screenshots folder. I have a screenshots folder in my documents folder and all my screenshots are there. Nice. That, yeah, that's, that's a clever hack. And, and I, I guess I knew about that, but I, I haven't bothered to set that up. But it might be a good idea to do that, actually. Well, you'll read my article and you can report back next week and you'll <laughs> thank me for it. All right. 
Because it's true. We do take a lot of screenshots, right? Uh-huh. And we take screenshots and we edit them. And having them in a folder in list view means that the newest ones are always at the top. And this is a lot easier to deal with. It's interesting. And, and I'm not sure that this is still the case. But for many years, every file that was on the desktop on a Mac was actually treated like a window in the operating system. And if you had a lot of files, it used a lot of memory. I think they may have changed that in recent years, but people who would store a lot of files in their desktop would actually be slowing down their Mac, even if they weren't using the files or looking at them. Right, because by default, one of the things that macOS does is it'll create a preview image for every single icon on your desktop. If you've ever restarted your computer and you've had a whole bunch of icons on your desktop, especially screenshots or things like that, you'll notice that one by one, it will load the image. Well, one by one, at least if you're using a spinning hard drive, maybe you won't notice it if you've got an SSD, but yeah, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it can take a while. <laughs> it's got to load all that information into memory. And cleaning the desktop is also a way of sort of decluttering your mind. It, it's imagine this cool breeze coming and blowing the files off your desktop into different folders. And then you can look at that wonderful desktop picture you have that's sitting there, the picture of you and your kids on the lake fishing or whatever it is, instead of having files all over the place. I've always found the idea of files to be just messy, but you can't see my desk, my real desk, and see how messy that is. My, I, I am only this OCD on my computer, not in real life. So the next folder to check out is your downloads folder, because what goes there? Downloads, perhaps? Yes, Yay. yes, you win this one. How many, look in your downloads folder. Tell me, tell me how many files Oh my files gosh. Do um, you really want to know? I do. Okay. Right now I have about 1,500 files in my downloads folder. <laughs> <coughs> I'm sorry. I didn't expect that. I really didn't. <laughs> and they're all files. They're not like grouped into folders. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I mean, I have a whole bunch of folders. I, I, I do occasionally go through my downloads and like and drag some of them into folders to organize them or delete them or whatever. See, the problem with this is when you have 1500 files, it makes it harder to find the one you need because you might not remember the exact That's name. That's what Spotlight is for. Yeah, that doesn't always work for me. But I, I understand, because <laughs> technically with Spotlight, you could throw all your files into one folder and hide that folder. And if you know what to type to get the files to show up, either keywords or tags or, or file types, then that would work. I'll put a link in the show notes to an article about Spotlight as well that's on the Intego blog. Attachments. You're going to tell me you're one of these guys who has like 8,000 emails in your inbox, right? I do. Okay. <laughs> I currently have 13. My inbox is, is in many ways my task manager. If I keep something in my inbox, it's a task that needs to be done. When I'm finished, I delete the email. Another thing is that we get a lot of attachments, and these attachments can take up space. Not only does an attachment to email take up space, but when you've opened the attachment from within an email, macOS makes a copy of it in another location. So it takes up twice as much space. So if you look at the article that we link to in the show notes, it explains where these attachments are stored, and you can delete all of these attachments. When I wrote this article last year, it allowed me to delete 500 megabytes of files, which isn't a lot, but you know, if you have a small SSD, that's a large percentage of your disk space. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, one of the things that you might 
have, unbeknownst to you, in that mail downloads folder is malware. Because a lot of times what will happen is, you, you know, you'll get an email, a malicious email attachment. It might be a, a, a Word document with a macro attached to it, or it might be a zip file, or who knows what. And a lot of times malware can actually stay dormant on your Mac through that mail downloads folder. The next thing that I strongly recommend is to clean caches. Now, caches, that's C-A-C-H-E, a cache is a way of storing files so you don't have to re-download them. So an example is your browser cache in Safari. You load a page, Safari sticks in some folders and subfolders, all the different elements, and that could be the actual page. It could be the graphics on the page, etc. So when you next go to that web page, you won't have to re-download everything. So when you're talking about cleaning caches, you're not talking about washing money, right? I'm not talking about washing money. Absolutely not. Not cleaning cash. This is caches, plural. And we're not talking about money laundering either. No, we're not talking about money laundering. Got it. Okay. But we are going to talk about using a washing machine because Intego washing machine is an excellent tool for cleaning caches getting rid of duplicate files, and getting rid of all sorts of other files, attachments, large files. It can scan your Mac and display a number of different categories of files you can get rid of. So the next point I was going to talk about was duplicate files. It, you know, sometimes we were talking before about these email attachments. Well, they're in two locations once you open them. And maybe you've also saved them to your downloads folder because, well, you have 1,500 files. So you might have them in three locations. And there's really no point in having duplicates. On the one hand, it takes up space. On the other hand, let's say you've opened one file and you've made a change to it, but there's a duplicate someplace else. Well, you think you're such a spotlight master that you're going to type the name of the file and open it up, but you might end up opening the one that's a duplicate and it doesn't have the changes in it. Right. Yeah. And th that's actually happened to me before. So I, I, <laughs> I do know what you're talking about there. So washing machine is a great tool that can very quickly and easily save you a lot of space. And we'll link to a number of other articles about duplicates. In particular, one specific type of duplicate I want to mention is iTunes duplicates. And if you have any size iTunes library, you know what it's like that you've added music files that you've gotten from different places. And you have the same file twice or three times and you look through your library and it's all confusing. Well, it just so happens that our podcast producer, Doug Adams, is the author of an app called Dupin, which goes into iTunes and finds all your duplicates and lets you sort them out and decide which ones you want to save. Now, when you consider that iTunes files are minimum five megabytes for a song, they could be bigger depending on how long they are or what bit rate they are, or if they're videos, you really can save a lot of space by getting rid of your iTunes duplicates. Nice. Thank you, Doug. How big is your iTunes library, Josh? Oh, gosh. Stop asking me these questions. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's it's huge. It's huge. I and and it you know a lot of it um, probably is videos that that I've downloaded. There's something that you can set up in iTunes where you can tell it to copy files to your library, and that's one of the ways, by the way, that you get duplicates of media files on your machine. If you if you have, if you have it copying it to your iTunes library, you might have it twice on your hard drive for no reason. But uh, my iTunes library tends to be pretty big. And does your main Mac have an SSD? No, it does not. It has a massive two terabyte hard drive. Two terabytes is massive. This is 2018, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a hard drive, it's true that you have a lot more space. But today's laptops all come with SSDs. 
you can get an SSD and an iMac. And frankly, I, I think we would both recommend to people that an SSD is much better because yeah. it's so much faster. Right. Yeah. If, and and the, the only reason these days to not get an SSD is if you need a ton of storage. And, you know, there are external storage, you know, platforms. You can plug in an external hard drive if you really need to load that giant, massive Photoshop file or who knows what it is. You can get for about $100, you can get a four terabyte hard drive that is self-powered with a USB 3 connection. So it's relatively fast. So you don't need to plug it into a socket. You just plug it into the back of your iMac or into your laptop. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to an article I wrote a few months ago about the different types of hard drives. I'll also put a link in the show notes to episode 23, which hard drive is best for your Mac, where we did a deep dive discussing the different types of drives, SSDs, hard disks, and fusion drives. It's good to know that if you are running out of space, one of the ways other than cleaning and deleting things from your hard drive is offloading them to an external drive. And given the, the cost of hard drives today, it's really a good idea to take those 15,000 downloaded files and put them on an external hard drive. And then if you really need them, you can look at them. For the record, it was 1,500, not 15,000. I know, I was exaggerating. <laughs> All right, so is this going to be your weekend task, Josh? Uh, I I guess it probably should be. Well, it, <laughs> it would be interesting if you would come back and, and in next week's episode tell us how much space you've saved. See, I recently switched to a new iMac, and that's one time that I always clean up my Macs ah. before I migrate to a new Mac. I, I find that a good time. So I'm relatively clean. I mean, I've only got 15 files in my downloads folder. I've got 13 emails in my inbox. That's that's pretty good. I'll ask you again about this next week. In the meantime, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, sponsored by SellYourMac.com. You can get a $10 bonus on items worth $25 or more. Go to SellYourMac.com slash Intego and start cashing in on your old Apple gear. Be sure to get every episode of the Intego Mac Podcast by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.